Hi, welcome back to Tell Me About Your Job, the show where we learn the ins and outs of different professions straight from the professionals themselves. If you've ever wondered what different jobs are actually like, then you're in great company. Whether you're looking for a career change or just figuring out a college major, then this is the show for you. Hi, welcome to today's show. I'm on here with Sherman Wilhelm today. How are you doing, Sherman? Doing pretty good. How are you, Josh? I'm doing all right. So we're just going to jump right into it, Sherman. Um, tell me about your job. Yeah. So I work in management consulting at one of the largest uh, consulting firms and like professional services firms in the world. And specifically, I mostly focus on government consulting. And what that means is we work with the government in pretty much every sector and every, every reach of the government to help them run more efficiently and to better serve the constituents that, that they oversee. Uh, so, for example, one of my big projects that I've worked on in the past was with the Postal Service. And I was helping to improve a product that they had recently launched. And we were, we were conducting a lot of like consumer like market research and things like that in order to help them create the best product that they could. So that way they could start to sell it and make money because we all know that Postal needs help with that. Oh, for sure. Now, how long have you been doing that? And what made you think to get started in that industry? Yeah, so that's a good question. I've worked in I've worked in consulting since I graduated pretty much since I graduated from college back in the summer of 2017. So about two and a half coming up on three years now. Um, And it's interesting because I didn't know coming into college or anything like that, that consulting was the way that I wanted to go. you know, growing up, I was very much like a math kid, you know, did math club and all that, all that geeky stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was never the person who liked to just sit at the whiteboard or whatever and do math problems all day. And like, I definitely knew a lot of those kids, but I wasn't one of them. I <laughs> preferred to like go play sports and like be with people and like, you know, be with, be with friends and stuff. And so coming into college, I never really knew how to put those two things together, that problem solving and that working with people. And, you know, I actually ended up getting involved in a club in college where we competed in business competitions all over the world. So you can see this theme of me doing very nerdy competitions. And <laughs> so we, we would do these business competitions all over the world, compete against uh, schools from, you know, every, yeah, every continent, uh, which is really awesome. And for, in, you know, that's a whole other conversation of what that world is like. But, you know, doing that, I started to realize like, oh, if this is what consulting is like, you know, we get to solve these problems for these really large companies and they, they take it seriously. And I get to do that with other people. Like, I want to do this all the time. This is great. And so that's what really turned me on to consulting. And then, I, you know, there's a whole process for, you know, going into consulting from college. It's a pretty standardized process across the entire industry, which is interesting. And I, I'm not sure that Every industry is like that. I always assume that everybody kind of handled things the same way. But as I've like talked to other people in other industries and other jobs, it's like, oh, no, like it's not such a well-defined like pipeline coming into a single industry. What does that pipeline look like? Like when you say it's a standard pipeline, what does that actually mean? Certain companies and certain firms recruit in certain places. But even beyond that, it's like they all have the same process for interviewing and for bringing on new candidates. Mm-hmm. And specifically from like undergrad and grad school. And what that process is, is you go through and you do case interviews and behavioral interviews. And what a case interview is, is 
essentially the the interviewer will give you some business problem say you know a company is losing money how do we what's wrong like how do we fix it and you walk through either a series of questions that they give you or just kind of on your own you have to figure out what what's the problem you have to get to the root of the problem and propose a solution you know, you know by the time the interview is up 30 minutes later and then usually you go straight from that into a behavioral interview with somebody else which is a little bit more of that you know, tell me about a time when you worked in a team. Tell me about a time where you had to like mm. do something difficult as part of a team or, or or whatever. And so it's interesting seeing how every firm does that. Like there's little nuances, but that process is the same where you're going to do case interviews and like there's set resources out there where you can, you know, you go and you buy a book and you can like go and get cases online and things like that. And so it's, it's really interesting that it's so standardized for an industry that is so ambiguous and nebulous. I feel like that definitely makes it easier for you as a student when you're trying to, um, you know, seek out those jobs. But yeah, I feel like it definitely doesn't necessarily translate into what the job looks like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, preparing for those interviews, I could just do 100 practice cases and I got really good at it. But then when you get to the real world, it's like, oh, but that doesn't that's that the same thing doesn't apply. Like you have to deal with actual people once you get (laughs) once you start working (laughs) and that changes everything. You mean you didn't solve the postal services problems in an hour? <laughs> you know, I really, I gave it my best shot, but unfortunately it's a multi-billion dollar organization. So one person is <laughs> probably not going to be the solution. Well, you know, here's hoping maybe next time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So talking about, you know, how consulting is such a, such a large industry and so multifaceted, what does like an average day actually look like for you? <laughs> So this is a question that every single person asks, at, you know, anytime you're at a recruiting event or talking about consulting at all. And the answer on our part is always the same. And it's incredibly infuriating. And that is, it depends. It's <laughs> consult- it's, that's a consultant's favorite answer to any question because it, it is such a cop out. But it really, so I would say, A, it really does depend on the project, the type of work, the client, you know, whatever. The, there's all these things that can factor into what your day to day looks like. So I'll I'll break it down into a couple of different like stereotypes or prototypes or categories. Um, okay. As to like what work can look like. So I was on a client that it was a large uh, financial services firm, um, and I was helping do a large scale data tra- transformation, if you will, where they were trying to build something called a data lake, and that so that project was very data-driven, very process-oriented, I would say. And so that required a lot of Excel work. So I had to get really good at Excel, not even just from an analysis standpoint, but just how do I make categorical lists of things where I can track statuses and keep up with you know the 100 different things that are going on across multiple Scrum teams um, and you know, just make sure I understand where the project is at all times because mm-hmm. like somebody's always going to be asking what's going on, and I have to be able to answer and give updates and, and metrics in a hundred different ways. So that was a lot of you know I was spending a lot of time in meetings coordinating between a bunch of different teams as well, and then you know taking that knowledge and putting it into a format that was a little bit more quantifiable for leadership. So I'd say that's one like prototypical role you could have as a junior practitioner in consulting. So when you're first coming in, my first project was the one I mentioned about USPS. So the postal service, that was a very product design strategy oriented project. And so we engaged in a lot of human centered design methodologies and practices. And so that was a lot of 
you know, interviewing folks on their experiences with the product that we were working on, taking all of those interview notes and compiling it and synthesizing it into some key insights, and then using those insights to work with the clients and inform their decision making on the strategy they wanted to take with the product. So that was a lot of working in PowerPoint, making things look very pretty in PowerPoint and you know, <laughs> communicating communicating in that medium. Uh, because when you're designing products, I would say it's a little bit more touchy-feely a lot of the time. Like there is data involved, but there you also have to take into account what people think and feel which is not necessarily quantifiable. So mm-hmm. that's, I would say that's another prototypical uh, job you could have as a junior practitioner in consulting is very much like a PowerPoint wizard. <laughs> you know, you get really good <laughs> at just making PowerPoints and being able to take a lot of thoughts and put it all together into a few key slides that get the point across very quickly. The last like prototypical job that I can think of right now is the one that I'm doing on my current project where I'm working with a, an agency within the federal health space, completely like overhaul their financial system. Um, it's a, t- a huge 10-year project. I'm not going to be here. I wasn't here for the start. I'm not going to be here for the end. I'm <laughs> very much in the middle of all of this. I have to go and track down data. And this is more of that analytics um, in Excel. So it's like analytics in Excel and combining those PowerPoint skills of, okay, now that I've either conducted a survey or I've gone and gotten data from the system and worked with all these different stakeholders, I then have to communicate my findings. So this is a combination of you know having to work with people, having to do some analysis, having to communicate it effectively and make it look good, um, make people actually want to read the, the slides that I make um, and putting it all together and then in, involving a lot of different parties because everyone has to agree on all of this stuff. Out of those three, which one would you say you lean more towards as being your favorite? I would say the one that like I love the work the most was the product design. Because something I've learned, at least for myself, and of course, like everyone's different. But for me, what I've learned over my time in consulting is I've worked with both business systems, business to business transactions, you know, business to customer, like B2C, that side of the process. And that that B2C, that business to customer interaction is the one that I get the most excited and the most passionate about. Because for me, you know, while business systems and while business to business interactions are extremely important and, and I, I admit it's probably where a lot of the value of most businesses comes from, that business to customer interaction is the one that I just understand inherently. And maybe it's a matter of I'm, I am a customer, so I, I get <laughs> the mindset and, you know, maybe that's part of it. But for me to be able to to affect something that actually affects the lives of people directly, that is what gets me really excited. Other than the postal project that I mentioned earlier, the other project that I've had that exemplified that the most was when I was working at the Library of Congress. And I was actually helping them to deliver services to folks for free a lot more efficiently and to do it in, in a more digital fashion, which was really cool because it was helping them come out of, you know, we, we've done this the same way for 50 years, but now it's like, okay, it's 29. At the time it was 2019. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, well, let's, let's start thinking of ways we can do this digitally and actually and, and serve more folks um, than we have been able to in the past. So that, that to me, whenever I can affect people directly, that is what gets me the most excited. Yeah, I can definitely see how any kind of work that directly impacts people can definitely be a lot more fulfilling, I think, rather than just working with businesses. That's really awesome. So since you said that you like working um, on projects that affect the customers more often than ones that are just um, business to business, as you put it, 
when you have to work on those projects that are business to business, do you find it harder to actually focus on your work or want to do a good job on it? Or um, do you find yourself getting frustrated more with it and wishing that you had more control over your work? (laughs) Uh, I would say if I'm being honest, the answer is probably yes. Um, But I think that there's also a certain amount of, I guess, professionalism that you just kind of learn to have where it's like, you know, maybe I don't love this work, but my feelings of how, like my feelings about the work shouldn't dictate my output and like how I'm actually mm-hmm. performing. Cause at the end of the day, the things that, that I do, it, it's a reflection of me. So I would, you know, I always want to give the best, you know, give the best work products that I can. So it's like, yes, of course, like, do I get a little bit more frustrated or maybe I am not as, as excited about it? I mean, probably, but at the same time, it's like, I'm trying to learn to divorce that those feelings from, you know, actually doing the work. Uh, so that way it's like, you know, people don't have to worry like, oh, does Sherman, come, does he, did he come into work wanting to work today or not? Like, <laughs> that's definitely, definitely not a, a, a rep that I want to get of like, oh, he's only going to work if he wants to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's the best attitude you can have about that. Because not only, like you said, does it reflect on you, but then anytime you're interacting with people outside of the company, it reflects on the company as a whole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, I don't know, for me, I, I would rather just like build good relationships with whatever clients that I'm working with. Um, and I would say that's a big part of consulting as well is build is building relationships with, with the clients, with your managers, with your senior managers, um, all of that, all of that stuff. And at the end of the day, it's like, that's how I've trained myself to think about those like more business oriented problems is my customer may not be you know, Susie Q who's buying a product from the postal service or from whoever, but my customer is actually my client or my customer is whoever my client works with. And they're people too, you know, they're not, it's not like a a computer system somewhere is buying my products, you know, with, with money that it's made up. It's actual people who are using it and people who are, who need it in order to do their jobs better. So that's something that I think it took a little while for me to fully understand because when I first came in, I just didn't have a lot of visibility. Um, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily in all the meetings with the different clients or things like that because you know that was more of what the managers or other folks were doing. But now that I've had more experience and I've had that opportunity to be in all of those meetings and and to hear that and, and interact and get to know clients as people, that's when it really starts to to click. This is for somebody, and this is going to make someone's life easier. And because of that, they can make someone else's life easier. And then once I thought about it that way, it definitely helped and made it a lot more personal as opposed to, oh, like this is just a system I'm building that exists in a vacuum. That makes a lot of sense. No matter how how directly you're dealing with a person, there's still a person somewhere down the line that you're able to impact through your work. Right, exactly. Since that was something that um, we decided is not maybe your favorite thing, working business to business, but you've figured out a way to kind of frame it in a different frame of mind to be okay with it and actually enjoy it. What would you say is actually one of the hardest things about your job? That is a really good question. I think the hardest part of my job has changed for every project. So right now, the project I'm on, the hardest part is working with so many different people across the organization. Um, Mm -hmm. And not that the people are difficult necessarily. It's just that the process is difficult. So as an example, if I have data that I need to get, in order to you know do my job and, and to create you know a metric or you know to measure something to analyze uh, like performance somewhere, 
I have to, you know, I have to go through, I have to figure out who I need to talk to. And then inevitably when I talk to that person, I, they send me somewhere else because they aren't the exact right person mm-hmm. for that piece of information. So I go to somewhere else. I have to talk to them. And then this, and then half the time they'll send me back to the person I just came from. <laughs> and so I, I've talked about with my manager actually, where I, I joke, I'm like, it's like walking in circles, but each time I go around the circle, I'm able to get a little more information. So it's like, I'm pushing the circle forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that is probably the most frustrating part about my job right now. But yeah, the silver lining is I am able to move the circle forward, at least for now. And so that's like what gives me a little bit, a little bit of optimism with it is like, yes, <laughs> it's frustrating. And I wish someone would just give me what I want. Um, but ultimately, it's like if I keep at it, I, I have, you know, I have hope that I will eventually get there. Like it's frustrating, but it's at the same time, it's all part of the challenge. And I think that's something that coming into consulting People say a lot, but I didn't fully appreciate until I got here, which is like, you have to like challenges <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you have to like the problems because it just, it's, it means that there's something else you can solve. Uh, and I've learned that a lot, sometimes the hard way, sometimes the easy way here in consulting. <laughs> challenges just come up constantly. Like there, it's very few things in consult, and I'm sure it's like this in most jobs, but in consulting, there's very few things that are easy. And you always have to figure out some way around the issue. And it, it can be as small as, oh, well, my manager wants me to be more succinct, but provide more detail, uh, <laughs> which seems very oxymoronic, but I have to figure out some way to meet their need. Or it can be as big as, you know, this federal health agency wants to completely change their financial management system. And it was supposed to be done 10 years ago. And here we mm-hmm. are, and it's not going to get done for another 10 years. How do I do it? You know, the, the, the scale of the problem can change, but there's always going to be some problem that you have to, to figure out. And if you don't like solving the problems, you flame out pretty quickly because that's what we do is we solve problems. And so if, if you don't like that, then it's like, well, it's, pro- like it's probably not the place for you, which is fine. Like, you know, not, not everyone has to be, has to like consultants. And thank goodness there's other people that think consultants in the world because <laughs> if you don't like it, it you're just going to get burnt out because you get to the end of the week, you know, I've solved 50 problems and it's like, yeah, well, that's step 1A. Like we still have to keep going. Yeah. When your job is solving problems, um, I think the world has plenty of those. Yeah. <laughs> Never going to get quite to the end yeah. of it. <laughs> Jumping off of that, you saying that um, not enjoying problem solving would basically disqualify you from really enjoying a job in consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, Besides problem solving, what do you think would be a quality or a couple of qualities that would really inform somebody that consulting is maybe a path for them? Uh, I mean, of course, pro- the whole liking problem solving is a big one. I would say the even bigger than that, honestly, is do you like to work with teams and do you like to work in teams? Mm. And I think that's a hard question to answer accurately coming out of college for most people, because even when people have done, say, group work in college or have been in student organizations and have had to quote unquote, like work in teams in college, it's very different when you get to the real world. Because, you know, in school, maybe the problem is very well defined, like we have to write a report on the Great Depression, or we have to create this like PowerPoint deck to like for our business class or whatever it is. It's a very well defined goal. You have a very well defined team of four people, and you're not allowed to work with anybody outside of that team. And you have a very well-defined set of time to solve that problem in. 
that can be a bit of a, a red herring. If, if you like that, it's not always going to be the same as working with people in a full-time job. Like in the more school situation, like you maybe work with them two or three hours a day. And that's, I would say that's a pretty dedicated team project. If you're working with people two to three hours a day, five days oh, a week. Oh, for sure. Like that's way more effort than I ever put, put into any of your <laughs> project in school. Um, apologies to all of Sherman's past group mates in college. <laughs> no, we, we got A's, don't worry. But then it's different when you spend anywhere from eight to 15 hours in a day with the same you know, set of people. And the problem isn't well-defined. You have to argue about what is what actually is the problem that we're looking to mm-hmm. solve for before we can even start to think about the solution. And then, of course, you have to argue about the solution. So that's so I would say that's a huge part of it is you have to learn how to be really good at understanding what people are saying or what they want or what they mean, sometimes without them saying it, which is a really tough thing to do. Um, but just mm-hmm. getting good at the people. I think if you're if you are good at the people dynamics and you like working in groups of people and and you're okay with like, okay, we have to, you know, we have to negotiate as a team, we have to figure things out all together, then I think that's a good sign that okay, consulting might be a great place for you to be or like someplace you would want to try out for a little while. Um, but if you're someone here like, no, like I know how to do it myself, I can get it done and like maybe I'm smarter than everybody else in the room you're probably a better engineer, I would guess. <laughs> I, I would guess. Um, but, you know, uh, again, it takes all types, to, even, in, even in consulting, like we have a lot of engineer, we have a lot of engineers in general, A, and B, we have a lot of engineer types as well. Mm-hmm. And so like there are those folks, even in consulting, who it's like, yeah, they're our data guy. We let him go to town and he, do, he or she does fantastic work. Um, but for the most part, most, especially in the strategic consulting realm, it is a lot of working on teams. You know, you have to figure things out. You get up and you write things on a whiteboard, maybe you use sticky notes. Like you have to constantly be creative with how you're doing this problem solving. It's not all just, okay, I'm going to sit down at a, at a laptop and work in Excel and work in PowerPoint all by myself all day. Um, you have to be able to balance that, that with, okay, let me validate what I'm thinking with other people, make sure I'm not missing any assumptions. Let me make sure that, you know, everything checks out and make sure that people are bought into what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because even if you had have like the best work product in the world and you have this analysis that is just going to change the the way the whole project is working. If, if other people don't buy into it, it doesn't matter. That makes a lot of sense. You were talking about um, how college teams or any kind of um, group projects in school may not necessarily prepare you or really inform you of how you actually feel working in teams. I think something um, even in my own life that I've noticed working on teams since college is in college, you're all the same general age. You're all the same (laughs) general level of knowledge and instruction out there, though. You might have people on your team who have been doing this for years and definitely know more than you. And so coming in, making sure you're coming in with that more humble attitude and that attitude that every single person on this team is contributing and it's not just me doing the work here. Yeah, absolutely. And like, we don't have to dwell on this part of it because I'm sure this is true for every industry, but especially coming out of college or coming out of high school, honestly, just the the, the quote unquote attitude that you bring to work is probably number one if for an entry level position. Like if you come in and you're and you're willing to do, you're willing to do the work, you're willing to learn, you're willing to say, Hey, I don't know things, please help. Especially in consulting, like those are the people who everyone says are the best of Mm -hmm. like analysts or whatever the entry level position title is 
because that like when you're when you're able to come in and not make everyone else's lives harder you're doing a good job because i think that's something that can often happen if you're brand new into the working world in general into a company even more specifically than that is if you're if you come in and you make other people's lives more difficult then it very quickly becomes a question of like well why are you here we could like you you could not be here and we could be better off that i think is something that i didn't realize coming in just to the working world in general um, and consulting specifically, but especially when you're, again, when you're working on those teams and you're having to work with people for many, many hours out of the day, it becomes very important that, okay, we all understand we're all here. We have to take the ego out of it because if it's, if, if it's all about the egos, then nothing gets done and everyone just has a miserable time. And no, like, that's a big thing for me is I was like, work doesn't have to be miserable. (laughs) You know, we can work (laughs) and and still have a a decent time at it. Of course, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily everyone's favorite thing in the world to do is, you know, work for 10 or 12 hours a day. But if we can make it at least, you know, 5% better, I think that's a win. Definitely. Now, I have to ask, because you just said 10 to 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. What kind of work-life balance? uh, (laughs) can somebody expect so i think i think this very very much depends on what firm you're at of course of course the company that i work for is very big on work-life balance um and making and they push you know just general wellness in a lot and a lot and a lot of the managers are are pretty good about making sure that you're not burning yourself out too quick like either too quickly or at all ideally i will say it's like in government consulting, the hours are less because the government clients don't work as much as private sector clients do typically. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's union mandated. A lot of times it's just the type of people who are in those positions because, you know, the government skews a little bit older in terms of their like average age of the workforce. So they usually have kids um, or at the very least like a house and a dog or, you know, whatever the case <laughs> may be. And so they like they have personal lives. Whereas if you're in a, working with a private sector com- company, you might have a little bit younger client, like client set, you know, they might not have kids, you know, they, they're, they might be more similar in age to you. And then, so they're also willing to work a lot more. So when I was working at the financial services company, we, we definitely worked longer hours than I do in, com- in the like government space. And I think part of that too was the fact that I was working out of Charlotte, North Carolina, where I, I live in DC. My our client site was in Charlotte, and so I would fly. We would all fly there every week. The team was from all over the country, and so when you're traveled for work, you know, say Monday to Thursday, it's a lot easier to work longer hours because mm, yeah. the only other thing you have to do is go sit in a hotel room. You know, you're, you're sitting in the Marriott lounge and you're wondering what you're doing with your life. <laughs> you don't have a house and a dog to go back to. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I would say that that definitely drives it a lot as well in consulting is if you're traveling for work, then you're probably going to be working more. And I think that's true even like in sales jobs or other types of like, like retail jobs. If you're managing a couple of different stores and you're traveling for work, I would say that usually means working longer hours simply because, you know, you don't necessarily have something else to do. I think I think that's starting to change a little bit now with like Netflix and Hulu. You know, you have, you have a little <laughs> bit more options of like what you can do post work. Um, yeah. And a lot of companies are starting to offer more benefits around travel where like, you know, if you travel, you have some sort of exercise stipend or, or you know, just wellness stipend yeah. where you could go and, you know, take a yoga class or you could go, you know, you can go do like an exercise class or something like that in the city that you work in. 
And so I think that, you know, the tide is shifting a little bit there potentially, but again, it's very dependent on what company you work for and, and who and who your clients are, because even within the same company, some clients, you know, might be just working a lot longer. Like if you're in tech, like or a tech startup, you're probably going to be working just unreal hours versus if you're in a much more like old school industry, like even financial services, even with the rep that it has, you know, you're probably going to be working <laughs> somewhat more standard hours um, and different, you know, just different, more old school industries are probably going to be a little bit more steady. Okay, so speaking of all the traveling that you've done recently, how much of a consultant's life can they expect to spend on the road or in your case, in a hotel? <laughs> yeah, so I would say like your standard private sector consulting, most projects are traveling every week or at least every other week. Um, and that's usually a Monday to Thursday. You know, you, you, hit, you hit the airport Monday morning. I always had a 7 a.m. flight every Monday morning out of DCA. And, you know, I get into Charlotte right around nine and I would go to, you know, go straight to work with my suitcase and everything. Um, and then go check in the hotel after work on Mondays and, and then, you know, fly out Thursday afternoon. We actually, we had something on our team, like a, a phrase that I guess we made up, we called it fly day. <laughs> so it's not Friday, it's fly day. Oh, fly days were, were just as good because it means that you get to get to dip out of work a little bit early. So it was kind of, it was kind of a nice treat of, you know, okay, I, I can leave work a little bit early today. You know, granted you're going to get on a flight, but I got pretty good at, <laughs> at sleeping on flights. So <laughs> it, it, were, it ended up working out. Invest in a good set of noise canceling headphones. Oh, it's a must. Yeah. Noise canceling headphones. If you need the neck pillow, just go for it. Got to, you know, we're all, we're all in the flight. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> but it is, it is different. It took a little bit of getting used to, especially since I spent my first uh, two full years actually not traveling because uh, all of the government clients I worked with were here in Washington, DC. And so it took a little bit of getting used to of how many clothes do I need to bring? Mm. And then, you know, figuring that out, it's like, okay, at what time, like Sunday night, do I need to start packing? When do I have to do laundry? You know, you start to figure that out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you also have to get used to living in a hotel for three nights a week or four oh, nights, definitely. depending on, you know, some projects, you just have to get used to that, which at first is a little weird. I remember my first morning <laughs> uh, that I woke up in the hotel room I, it took me about 20 minutes before I remembered that I had to go to work that day <laughs> because because every time that I'd been in a hotel in my life before that was for a vacation. So I was like, I wake up in the hotel like, oh, this is nice. I'm like in this like pretty nice Marriott here in Charlotte. Like this is great. And then like 10, 15 minutes later, I'm scrolling through Twitter and it hits me. I'm like, oh, wait, no, I have to go to work. <laughs> so so that was, it was a bit of a revelation. Took a little bit of getting used to it first, but I mean, it's all, at least for me, it was all routine at a, at a certain point because we, we would stay in the same hotel every week. Mm -hmm. It ended up feeling kind of just like a, a second, like apartment almost. It, it sounds a little bit weird to, to talk about it. Maybe a little sad, depending on your point of view of like, <laughs> oh, it's so sad he's living out of a hotel. But for me, I, I'm young. I don't have, you know, a house with a dog or, or kids <laughs> or anything like that. So it's not like there was something back at back in DC that I was really missing out on necessarily. Mm -hmm. So that I think helped make it a little bit better. Now, I the question I do get a lot about traveling um, from people when they start at my firm, and they're asking me, oh, how did you handle the travel? The thing they're asking about a lot of the times is the social life aspect. Mm, yeah. Um, because like, obviously, if you are have a quote unquote, normal job where you're, you know, working, and, and then going home, you can hang out with friends on 
on the weekdays, you can go to happy hours, you can, you know, you can go to shows like concerts or whatever it is during the week, like you can live a pretty normal, a pretty normal life. But when you're, when you're on the road, you don't really have that. And so people are always really worried of like, oh, am I going to become a hermit? Am I never going to see anyone again? Like, is (laughs) is life going to end? Am I going to, you know, now that we're social distancing, I guess it's kind of what we're all doing. But (laughs) before then it was like, oh, I don't want to do this. So that is definitely a question that comes up. But something that I found was, you know, A, you get really close with the team that you're working with, which again, gets back to what I was talking about earlier around being able to work with people. Because when you're traveling, it's not only that you're working, you know, anywhere from eight to to 12 or more hours with those people, you're probably also going to go get dinner with them. Um, And you, you might go out to, you know, a happy hour or something like that with your team or with some of your team after work. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where your work team becomes a lot of like the people that, you know, in the city that you work. And, you know, of course we all need those nights where you just order takeout and you sit in your hotel room and watch Netflix for an hour and a half (laughs) instead of having to like be on all the time. Uh, and you know, we all, we all need that as even as extroverted as I am. So like, I would say that's part A is you, you still do have that social life. It just, it's just that the dynamics change a little bit to where it is a little bit more based on the people you work with. Um, but then something else that I noticed when I was traveling was I was actually more social than I was before. Hmm. And the reason for that was because I had to take such advantage of the time that I had in DC where, you know, I was only there Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So if people, if I wanted to hang out with people or if people want to hang out with me, that, that was the only option. You know, it makes it easy to be more intentional with the time because it's saying like, all right, guys, I had to miss, you know, whatever events were going on throughout the week. But now since I haven't seen y'all in a week or two, we're going to hang out this weekend. Yeah. So that I would say was like a, a great silver lining there was, you know, uh, I was even worried of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lose touch with a lot of my friends here in DC. I'm not going to get to see them very much at all. But then I realized like, oh, the rate at which I saw people actually went up. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because yeah. You can't just flake and say, oh, we'll do it in a few days because you can't. Right, exactly. And then there might also be something, which is another perk of traveling that is called alt travel or alternative travel, where you have the option. Most firms give you the option of if your flight to from wherever your client site is to somewhere else would be cheaper than you going back to your home city, then you can take that flight instead. So as an example, we had a few folks on our team who lived on the West Coast in California who would fly to Charlotte every week. Most flights in the country are going to be cheaper than that one. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what you can do is, you know, they would maybe go to Chicago for a weekend and, and visit friends there. Or they'd come to D.C. or they would, you know, go somewhere else. And so that happens a lot as well, which is it's a great perk because it means that you can you know either go see friends you have in other cities or you can just go travel on your own to other cities if you want. You know, the downside there can sometimes be, well, I, you know, maybe I, I went alt travel this weekend, but it means I hadn't been home in, you know, upwards of two to three weeks. Yeah. You know, and you, you realize like, oh, wait, I'm paying a month's worth of rent, even though I only stayed in my apartment for th- like four days this month. <laughs> uh, um, but, but I mean, again, it's, it's still a really cool perk of the travel lifestyle is you, you get to, you have the option at least to go and, and see other places in the country. And, and depending, again, depending on the firm, depending on the project, some even allow international al- alternative travel. So if it's cheaper oh, wow. for you to go to like Montreal for the weekend, like if you're, if your client site was in New York and you were from, let's just say like Oklahoma city, 
and it's cheaper for you to go to Montreal than it is back to OKC, then a lot of times you'll be able to do that as well. So you can even sneak in a few cross-border flights in there if it's cheap enough. That makes a lot of sense. We talked a lot about college students and the experiences you're going through. Tell me what type of education someone could expect to need to get into consulting and maybe what kind of benefits there would be to maybe more graduate level. Essentially, anyone can do this job. Like I would, I would argue that anybody could do this job. It's a very ratatouille, anyone can cook situation. <laughs> Having said that, I would say I'm guessing almost everyone has at least a bachelor's. Um, in terms of the type of bachelor's that is, it doesn't matter, honestly. Um, and that's true across the board for all the different consulting firms. Like there are people who have your standard STEM degrees, like engineering or math or statistics or economics. You have, you know, a lot of people coming from business. So doing either marketing or supply chain or business analytics, you have people coming from, you know, as wide ranging as like philosophy or the, or like hard sciences, like chemistry or, or biology. You have people coming from like English, like really oh, legitimately wow. all over. I've definitely met people who have undergraduate degrees in every possible field. Like I've definitely met people who were like theater majors in college. (laughs) In terms of like graduate degrees, I would say, again, kind of depending on the firm and what you want to do, it could be helpful. Like if you wanted to specialize a lot and you really wanted to be like a data scientist who works uh, for a consulting firm and you do that, then I think having a grad degree and potentially even a, a PhD would be super helpful. But for the most, like if if you're just a general, like a generalist, a general practitioner, you really don't need anything more than a bachelor's. I think a lot of people come in with MBAs as well. And that, again, it's a little bit different than coming in out of undergrad uh, because you also have a a little bit more of a management expectation. But but I would say like that's the most common is is an MBA or if in the government sector, an MPP, like a master's in public policy. But but if you're if you're in undergrad, and you're looking to get in consulting, you don't need to go get a two-year degree first. That's good to know for those of us who, you know, don't want to do more school before <laughs> getting out there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I would say there's a lot of people in consulting that don't want to get a grad degree. They have no intention of doing it. And, and it's completely fine. Like even to get to the highest levels within my company, which is a really big partnership to get to that level of like a partner, you don't have to have a grad degree. Whereas, and I know a lot of companies in order to start getting up to a more executive level, they require at least a name an MBA or some form of a graduate degree, mm-hmm. um, even if it is like more of an executive program rather than your standard two year. But at most con- at most consulting firms, you don't have to have the three letters after your name. You can usually just do it if you, if you have good client relationships. You can sell work. Like they'll usually say that that's that's fine. We we care more about the actual output than we do making sure that one has like a graduate school credential. Well, that's good to know. Time for that hard question. What's the money like in consulting? (laughs) It's not bad. I would say, you know, coming into government consulting, it's obviously going to be less because, and Mm -hmm. and depending on how each of the different firms are set up, I obviously don't know anything about how other consulting firms are structured, but the way that we're, the way that we're structured internally, it splits across commercial and public sector lines. And so we like we do get paid less than our commercial counterparts, um, but that is also a function of the fact that they can charge a lot more in commercial because the companies are willing to pay more and the government. And like 
you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing that government pays less for consultants, depending, you know, that's a political conversation. <laughs> I will let everyone have, have in the comments. Yeah, we're going to keep that off the show for now. Uh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I mean, regardless, we do like our firm does discount government clients pretty significantly for the consulting services. So, I mean, I can't, I can't speak to specific numbers because those are constantly changing, especially with the way that the world and, and more, you know, I guess cynically, the economy is shifting right now. Things are liable to change very rapidly. Um, but I would say like coming into consulting, uh, it's probably going to be similar to what you might hear about, like an investment banking or something like that. Again, it just kind of depends on the firm. Um, investment banking you can make a lot more on bonuses <laughs> whereas consulting the bonuses if you get them are probably going to be smaller and that's what i tell people is like if you care about making a lot of money go and do banking because that's where the money mm. is literally and figuratively <laughs> right literally and figuratively but you know if you if you like problem solving and working in teams then come to consulting because you're like you're not going to be scr- you know scrounging to get the next meal <laughs> for sure but you all, like in my mind, you get to do a little bit more fun work. But if you're into banking, no <laughs> Um, I am not, so I'll stay away from that. I've got one last question for you before we finish up here. If there is one piece of advice that you could give to anybody who thinks that consulting might be for them, what would that be? First of all, reach out to people in the industry. Find a way. You might, even if you don't know anybody uh, who's currently in consulting and doing that, there's always ways to find people that mm-hmm. are. Um, Cause I, when I first started looking into it, I didn't know anybody who was working in consulting either, but I just started asking professors and different people at the, at, at school, you know, do you know anyone in consulting? Do you know anyone I can reach out to? And I started very, you know, slowly at first and it gets, you know, it's a little bit a- aggravating when <laughs> you're not, you're not getting the progress you want, which I guess is indicative of consulting in general, but you, you know, it's a little aggravating, but again, if you stick with it, you eventually get a bunch of, like you get a lot of names. You start reaching out to people on LinkedIn, just kind of like, Hey, like I am, I'm interested in consulting. Here's how we're connected, whether it's through a person or because we both went to the same college or the same, or both went to the same high school. I don't know. Um, you know, showing them that connection and saying, I'm interested in consulting. I would love to talk more to you about your experience. I think that is probably a great place to start because even if you have a consulting firm or, or 10 that are recruiting at your school, those presentations and everything, like it's a lot of selling as it is with every job. And this, I say, like this, I would say as advice for anyone looking for any job <laughs> is talk to people who actually work there um, because they're going to be able to give you a little bit more of like, what does it actually look like at that firm? What kind of work they do? Um, and I think that's a good first start. And then at, once you've been able, once you've talked to a lot of people and you're, you're still bought in for some, for some reason, you're still like, yes, consulting is for me. I, then, then that's time to start, you know, grinding on getting good at doing case interviews, doing that, you know, practicing that, practicing the behavioral interviews, getting used to thinking in that way. And then if you have, like, if no one's, no one recruits at your school, applying online can be a bit of a, you know, a nervous wreck. And I, you know, I went through that process as well. We did have, you know, the firm I work for now, they recruited on campus for us, but I applied to a lot of firms who didn't. And it is pretty nerve wracking just, you know, dropping a resume and an application on, on an online portal and hoping for the best, you know, usually that doesn't work out too well, but 
if you're able to find people in the organization who you can talk to, that usually makes it a lot easier, um, especially if they can like refer you to somebody or they can give you a little bit more of the inside track, I guess, mm-hmm. then that, that usually helps. Consulting is a business very much built on relationships. And so if you can have relationships with people in the industry, then that's going to really help you get there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that, Sherman. There's a lot of really great info in there. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know I learned a ton about consulting that I didn't know before, and I hope each and every one of our listeners did too. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Josh. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. It would mean so much to us if you would share with your friends or leave a review for the show. Both of them really help us out a ton and really help get the word out there. As always, catch you guys later.